All right, welcome back to another episode of the Cody Tucker Show. As always, I'm your host, Cody Tucker. Oh my God. So, for the past week, and I guess for the next coming week or two, it is about 110 degrees here in uh, the heart of Texas. And oh my God, am I... (laughs) This is hell on earth for me. Quite literally. I am... I'm really struggling here. Like, it is... Boy, is it bad. Like, I know exactly how... I know exactly how the people in Maui are feeling right now. My God. It is... Look, hey, that is... I mean... Thoughts uh, thoughts go out to the folks in, in Hawaii. Man... Y'all are going through some stuff right now. Oh, look, I I firmly believe in the um, kind of natural balance of things. Uh, Newton, you know, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. Um, you can't live in paradise without eventually some devastating shit happening. Like, you you don't get to have day in, day out of awesomeness and not expect just an utter catastrophe to happen every once in a while. Um, so, yeah, you live on this paradise island, fucking, you know, living it up. Every once in a while, the shit's going <laughs> to burn down or your cousin's going to get pepper sprayed by Dog the Bounty Hunter. Something's going to happen. <laughs> like, God has put in place a natural order of things. Uh, Dwayne Chapman did not get dropped onto the into the Hawaiian Islands, you know, for no reason. <laughs> it was to make sure that the people in Hawaii are, you know, have their head on a swivel at all times. This is preparation. For the utter destruction that is going on in Hawaii right now. Um, Now, granted, I have been seeing all the videos of people who are just basically having to, like, walk into the ocean because everything is on fire. As nice as I'm sure Hawaii is, I would never live on an island. Ever. Because of this very reason. You have nowhere to go. (laughs) <laughs> like, if if shit goes down here in Texas, which I'm sure will be happening <laughs> any any moment, I could I got places to go. Hawaii, you have nowhere to go. I mean, you, boy, yeah, I mean, you are surrounded by water, <laughs> and you know, as strong of a swimmer as I actually am, so, which I'm sure is a unbelievable um, statement to hear from me, but I actually am a decently strong swimmer. I mean, I ain't swimming. <laughs> what am I swimming to fucking Malibu? Uh, I mean, if Beth were still alive, you know, you could possibly float away on her goddamn gazungas, but unfortunately, uh, God took her um, at the worst possible time. <laughs> the amount of lives she could save by just basically becoming a human, you know, like a basically her becoming a human life raft probably could save three quarters of the island. 
you know. Uh, so I don't know whatever whatever they got to do in Hawaii. I don't know who they got to throw into a volcano to stop this from happening. Um, I mean, maybe you got to throw Leland into a volcano. Who knows? Whatever you got to do to uh, appease the tiki gods, <laughs> you might want to start doing it. Because, uh, <laughs> boy, it is it is bad. Like, really bad. Um, I mean, you know, again... I'll send my thoughts because, uh, well, I mean, I'm not sending any fucking money. I mean, I mean, hey, I'm not shitting on people who are sending money, but, you know, about 10 cents out of that dollar is actually going to fucking go to anything. So I'll send my thoughts. <laughs> Boy, that's, um, I've just honestly never thought Hawaii sounded like a fun place to go. One, the flight is really fucking long and... Pretty much the entire time you are over water, which I know if a plane's going to crash, probably doesn't make a fucking difference whether it's <laughs> over land or water, you're done. But I feel like there's at least a little bit more of a chance of surviving a crash on land than there is water. Or if there just happens to be like a fuel problem, it's probably easier to find an airport um, on land <laughs> than it is in the middle of the ocean. So, I don't know. It has never been a place that I have wanted to visit. Also, hate the ocean. Um, <laughs> so, that, that kind of narrows it down unless I want to sit in the fucking, like, humid-ass jungles of Hawaii. Uh, which, I, I mean, that would be about the only reason I would ever want to go is to see where Jurassic Park was filmed. A.K.A. my favorite movie of all time. But... You know, take that out of the uh, equation and, yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, I have, I have no interest in that at all. I hate the beach so much. And I get that, I mean, obviously growing up, white trash, like f the Florida panhandle is basically like, f the Florida panhandle is basically white trash Bahamas. <laughs> and... You know, any anybody that's got a little bit of change that they can spare to, you know, go on a, a little vacay, you're going to the Florida Panhandle. And, yeah, and I hated it every fucking time. Absolutely hated it. Uh, I hated going to the beaches here in Texas, um, Alabama, like all, all the fucking like Gulf Coast shit that we would always do. Fucking miserable. Like, I... I mean, I'm going to sound like such a pussy right now, but I hate the sand. <laughs> I hate I hate feeling. I always feel about 20% comfortable. Like out of out of 100% serene relaxation comfort, I'm operating at all times, I would say at least at about mm, Maybe about 70%. Fuck. 70% discomfort. So I don't want anything <laughs> to add to that. Like where everybody else I imagine is probably going at about 5 to 10% discomfort. Like maybe they like, you know, got a weird pain in their foot. Something like that. 
yeah, I'm probably rocking at about 70% discomfort at all times. So having sand, like, rubbing in, like, my fucking knee pits and, like, all in my shoes and shit. And then, like, somehow sand getting into, like, bed sheets of the hotel. Don't know how it fucking happens, but it always seemed to happen. Getting sand in my shoes and socks. That... I mean, I sound like fucking Anakin Skywalker right now, I realize, but <laughs> but it is coarse and it does get everywhere. So it has never, that's already been super unappealing to me. Um, and that's not even counting the water. I mean, the ocean is without a doubt one of the most terrifying places on Earth, and it's most of Earth. <laughs> so, yeah. No, I mean, the amount of terrifying shit that is in the ocean and just, like, how big it is and, like, endless it seems, it just freaks me the fuck out. Like, I like I like mountains and cities. Like, I, I do not like the beach at all. I like, yeah. Like, I, uh, I don't like hot weather. Like I like if it's summertime, I want to go somewhere where it's colder than where I'm at. And I mean, as of right now, I mean that's not, that's probably about ninety five percent of the globe <laughs> is colder than where I'm at right now. It is, God, it's miserable. I mean, you know, I hope for the best for the uh, the Hawaiians, but um. It's it's a struggle here in old um, Tejas as well. My God, like looking and seeing just a hundred and ten degrees for like two weeks straight. Ugh, it's fucking disgusting. <laughs> like I, I don't know. I mean, I could easily leave and just go somewhere else, but where the fuck would I go? I don't know. I guess I'll just, you know. Probably I'll probably just stay here and keep complaining about it. It gives me something to do. <laughs> That's basically what 90% of this fucking shit show is, is me complaining about stuff that isn't even really that bad. I mean, I'm complaining about the beach. Like, literal paradise on Earth. And I, <laughs> I haven't said one good thing about it. So, that, that might be more of a me problem than a uh, beach problem. So... Let's move on. Let's uh, see what's going on in the world today. Holy shit. Okay. So. uh, Oh, man. Okay. So Michael Orr says the Tui family never adopted him, tricked him, and took blindside money. Um, (laughs) This, I mean, by the time this episode comes out, there's probably going to be a whole other string of things. Uh, going on with this story, it is mind-boggling. Like, so, when The Blind Side came out, I think I was... When did The Blind Side come out? It was like 2007, 2008, maybe? Um, but, 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 let's see. Come on. When did The Blind Side come out? Yeah, 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 yeah. 2009, November 2009, so I was 15, 
Is that right? 93? Yeah. So I was 15 whenever the blind side came out. Yeah, that makes sense. High school. It was my first year. Yeah. So freshman in high school. I remember thinking that it seemed really odd. There was something about <laughs> the story that just fucking... Uh, there's something about, and look, I'm not speaking on behalf of the Tui family. Who knows? Maybe Michael Orr's lying and that this is all bullshit. The Tui family treated him perfectly like the movie says. Now, granted, the movie also made Michael Orr look like a big, dumb moron. And I don't think that was necessarily the, <laughs> the case. I don't know if that's just the actor who played him or how they wrote it and that it makes more sense for him to just be some big idiot. I, <laughs> it is, it's an interesting choice. I'll say that when I have seen interviews with Michael Orr, and he definitely doesn't seem to be uh, an unintelligent person. Um, but boy, did they make Big Mike look bad <laughs> in that movie. They made now whether this is fa- fact or fiction. Boy, did they make the Tui family look great. <laughs> and Michael Orr is just this, like, poor, helpless, uh, you know, kid who happens to be, like, 6'6", six, six, 300 pounds. <laughs> I mean, and, like, you know, strong as a goddamn ox. Yeah. And also, I believe Michael Orr had a lot of siblings. Don't think they did shit for them. <laughs> if memory serves me right, I think he had, like, Damn near a dozen siblings. And what are the chances that the Tui family says, that's the one we'll adopt? Which, come to find out, they didn't, it looks like they didn't adopt them. <laughs> they had a, made a conservatorship, which, thanks to fucking uh, lunatic Britney Spears, we all now know what a conservatorship is. And it's not an adoption. It is you owning this person, basically, uh, to protect them from themselves. That's basically a conservatorship. Now, why would the Tui family want to do that to Michael Orr? Could have something to do with the fact that he was already playing football <laughs> when they found out about him. And was already getting, I believe, getting looks from like big colleges. Um... So, yeah, it wasn't like they were like, oh, Big Mike, you should try football. He, he was already on that <laughs> on that path. The Tui family now, where I remember it coming out and feeling just something off about it, is the what I think is a pretty obvious comparison that you can make. So, when you think of... There's something about, you know, and not to just make it a race thing, but it kind of is. Like, there's something about two grown-ass white people adopting a poor, uh, like a poor black teenager coming from a horrible background. There's something about it where you're like, okay... There is a side that is that these people just wanted to help them and saw that 
Michael Orr is a really good kid and just was in a shit situation. Um, they're living in the fucking deep south, so they know this is not going to be like necessarily popular, but they say, fuck it, like we want him to be helped. We have money. By the way, two family loaded. Um, we we can afford to take him in, help him, and kind of, you know, be like a surrogate family to Michael Orr. So there's that side, which is basically the Disney side, what gets put in in the movie. But then there's also the side that I tend to lean to, and maybe it's because I'm, in general, kind of a negative Nancy. But there's also the side of me that thinks they saw Michael Orr as a gullible, uh, desperate cash cow. I think I might be right. <laughs> From everything coming out, I don't think I'm wrong in thinking that. I mean, it's wrong as in, like, morally really shitty. But factually, I do not believe that I'm wrong in this. I My theory, which I guess once all this stuff like gets fully, fully proven and I guess, you know, going to court and everything, because we'll find out the truth, hopefully. But I will state, as of now, my theory is that the the Tui family never really gave too much of a fuck about Michael Orr. That they saw him as like a guarantee for the NFL. And that if they became his conservator, they knew that they would be able to basically have a large say in his finances. Knowing that he would go to the NFL, have a pretty massive amount of money coming in, at a very young age for Michael Orr, and I believe that they knew that they would be able to trick him into getting money, a book deal, movie deal. And that's where it gets super sketchy is that apparently he didn't make a dime off of the movie, which would be somewhat okay if no one in the family made any money. If it was just, hey, w- you all got fucked over equally, I mean, that still sucks. Michael Orr should be getting money from a movie based on his life. But when you find out that the Tui family, and not just the parents, but the fucking Tui kids, so not Michael Orr, but his adopted siblings, got like $4 million from this movie, and Michael Orr didn't get a dime that is, I hope that isn't true. Because <laughs> if it is, then fuck the Tui family, fuck their kids. Um, which their kids were annoying as shit in the movie anyways. Um, I mean, fuck everybody but Sandra Bullock and, <laughs> and old T-Mac. I mean, it is it is unfortunate that Sandra Bullock is getting, uh, you know, dragged through the mud on this one. Although, she did not deserve that fucking Oscar. Hell no. She just got lucky and got nominated in a year where movies were basically complete dog shit. Um, I mean, when, like, Avatar was the biggest movie, which was one of the worst fucking movies ever made, but when that's, like, the biggest movie of the year, um, loses to, like, Hurt Locker, which is an okay movie, uh, Sandra Bullock did not deserve that Oscar. She just got real fucking lucky and played a character that in 2009, was very lovable. Now, I don't think this movie ever gets made. 
2023, this movie is is not getting made. Not at all. <laughs> I mean, the the white savior movies are done. Um, you know, for better or for worse, whatever your opinion is on it. I just hate inspirational movies. And I especially don't like the blind side to me is one of the most annoying movies I've ever seen in my life. Um, it's, it's such a fucking, it's, I hate, and I just hate fucking inspirational movies cause they all seem so fake and like plastic and they're like Hallmark movies that just happen to have massive actors in them. So they make a lot of money. But you go watch some shit movie on like Lifetime or Hallmark, it's no goddamn different than The Blonde Side or any of these like just shitty Christian movies. Like fucking fa- Facing the Giants and The Blonde Side are two in the same. The only difference are one in the same. It's one in the same, not two in the same. Fuck it. Two in the pink, one in the stink. One in the same. The only difference is one's got Sandra Bullock and goddamn country music superstar Tim McGraw. Uh, and the, the other one does not. That's the only difference. You watch the movies, it's the same just sugary bullshit that is clearly fake. Clearly made to make like the Sandra Bullock character, uh, Mrs. Tui, look awesome. And I believe I'm pronouncing the last name right. But also, not 100% sure. I'm just saying Tui. We'll say Tui. Um, it is just... I, I mean, I mark my words, Michael Orr was getting fucked over royally by these people and was just in a place in his life where, yeah, I'd rather live in a fucking McMansion, you know, and then, then to not know where the fuck I'm going to be sleeping or getting food or clothes, whatever. Yeah, I'll live with these fucking weird-ass white people, and they'll take care of me. But I don't think he knew he was getting fucked over like this. If he did, if he actually did get fucked over, which, again... I guess nothing has come out for sure to say whether he has been. Uh, I mean, the conservatorship seems to be true that he was never adopted, but that he was in a conservatorship. But then there are like some reports I read where like he knew about this all along that he was in conservatorship. But did he really know what that meant? Did he know that it was called that, but didn't know that it was like, oh, we're not adopting you or I don't know. It, to, to know what is known or not known is hard to know. Um, but you know, we'll see. All right. Next. Jesus. Uh, Bradley Cooper is facing mounting backlash over his apparent use of a prosthetic nose in his depiction of composer and conductor Leonard Bernstein in the upcoming movie Maestro. Uh, now the, (laughs) the sub text of this Bradley Cooper accused of Jew face. (laughs) Over fake nose in my show, Leonard Bernstein's kids defend him. Yeah, Leonard Bernstein's kids are uh, on the same page as 99% of the population that says, who gives a fuck if he's wearing... He's wearing a prosthetic nose because that's what the fuck Leonard Bernstein looked like. Look up a picture of Leonard Bernstein. Bradley Cooper actually looks really similar to him. The term Jew face (laughs) is like the most bigoted racist shit I've ever heard in my life. Like, <laughs> like black, I mean, blackface, obviously horrible and shouldn't be doing it. Some of us have learned the hard way <laughs> that can't be doing that. But the word itself, 
blackface do, actually doesn't sound as bad as Jewface. <laughs> I don't know why. I'm not a linguistics expert. I'm not a sociologist, anthropologist, philanthropologist. Is that a thing? Maybe. I'm not any of those things. I'm just a jackass with a camera and a microphone. But Jewface seems like a real bad thing to say. <laughs> and I don't, I mean, yeah, like that's what he, I mean, at this point, don't hire, at this point, don't be actors anymore. Don't act. You just have to either, you just, you can't make a movie unless the person is that thing. You cannot act anymore. You just, you may as well stop making movies, stop making TV shows, unless you are going to just make Unless everything is going to be reality TV where people are playing themselves so nobody can get in trouble over anything. But to be pissed off at Bradley Cooper, which, how much of this is true? How much are people actually mad at One, I bet, I bet if you walked up to, say you go to a mall or somewhere with a lot of people, a mall. So you go to a mall, the first thousand people that walk in you ask them have you ever heard of leonard bernstein (laughs) you would be real lucky if three people said yes if you ask those same thousand people did you know that there's a movie being made about leonard bernstein those three that said that they even heard of him one would say yes i know there's a movie being made about leonard bernstein if you ask that one person are you mad that Bradley Cooper is wearing a prosthetic nose to portray Leonard Bernstein in a more accurate way? That one person is going to say, I don't give a fuck. I'm not watching the movie. Fuck both. Fuck Bernstein. Fuck Bradley Cooper. I don't care. I'm just here to, you know, I'm trying to go to Hollister and, you know, get judged for, <laughs> you know, whatever. I'm trying to go to uh, Annie Ann's and you know, stuff my face full of fucking cinnamon roll centers. They're not, they're not going to give a fuck about this. This is all just bullshit. This is all bullshit. No one is mad about this. His kids don't care. The only people whose opinions should matter about this are Leonard Bernstein and Leonard Bernstein's family. Leonard Bernstein, I think has been dead for a long time. Leonard Bernstein's family. That's who you go to next. You ask, are you mad about this? If they say, no, he had a fucking big-ass nose. We're Jewish. Give us a fucking break, you know? Um, Shlemiel, Shlemazel, whatever. That should be case closed. Uh, Bernstein's kids, they're cool with it. We're done. Uh, you know, delete the article like we're, we're good. I mean, it is, god damn. I mean, the amount of people... Who wouldn't have been able to play? So there's no Tom. Tom uh, there's no Forrest Gump in this situation. There's no Philadelphia in this situation because Tom Hanks isn't gay. I mean, he is an actor, so maybe. But uh, he, you know, so you can't play a gay person unless you're gay. So Tom Hanks cannot be in Philadelphia. Can't play a, a complete jackass idiot unless you are a jackass idiot now granted tom hanks in some ways fits into that (laughs) that uh 
requirement. But not as stupid as Forrest Gump was. Forrest Gump, you see, your son's IQ is right here. Um, I don't. Tom Hanks probably got a higher IQ than that, so he doesn't get to play Forrest Gump. He's also not a captain of a boat that got hijacked by Somalian pirates. He didn't get to play uh, Captain was it Captain Phillips. He didn't get to do that. Like, you just would never be able to play something that you're not. And, yeah, you can't wear... I mean, like, almost all these people wear some sort of prosthetic to look more like the person. Like, I, I just... Uh, I mean, Gary Oldman made himself fat to pull... I mean, wore fat prosthetics to play Winston Churchill. Should he have not been able to do that? You have to pick a fat actor to play a fat-ass alcoholic... So have um, Alec Baldwin play him. I mean, I'd rather Gary Oldman do it than, you know, any of the Baldwins. Uh, like, it just, I don't get, I don't get this at all. Fuck it. Next. Jesus Christ. Okay. So apparently, the majority of young people are using subtitles when they watch TV. And there's like a bunch of different statistics you can find to say like what percentage of like people under 30 use subtitles when watching TV. This is, without a doubt, the most annoying thing on the planet. I hate it so much when people use subtitles for a movie that is for a show that is in English. Like I'm talking about needing to know, like that jazz music is playing in background and needing to know like what people just watch the fucking movie when you go to a movie in theaters which apparently people still do did not know that there are not subtitles unless there are lines that are not in english otherwise you just watch the fucking movie and until recently nobody was doing this unless you were fucking deaf if you weren't deaf, you didn't do this because you could just use your goddamn ears and understand what they were saying. Now, for some reason, my generation and younger finds it necessary to read every movie they watch instead of just listening to the movie. And I, I will never understand this. You can never, never convince me that this is okay. That this bullshit is acceptable by any... Um, hearing abled human being if you can hear you don't need to be doing this you are ruining it for every now if you just do this on your own time whatever i still think you're a goddamn lunatic but that's on you if you're watching tv with another person so like if i'm watching tv with okay prime example for myself i have ruined multiple chances at a relationship by saying things I should not have said while watching TV with a person that I was uh, attempting to woo. Um, my attempts, <laughs> I just can't help myself sometimes. Now, if I'm watching a movie, say I invite a woman over, we watch a movie. Um, if she puts on subtitles, this this thing is done. It's immediately done. I'm just saying, yeah, don't do this. Don't 
don't do this if somebody is watching a movie with, or a TV show with you. Have the decency to be a normal human being and w- watch it how it's supposed to be. Fuck me. I'm going to have a goddamn aneurysm. <laughs> All right. So with that, let's we'll move on. Um, I think I've done enough hot takes already. Uh, don't watch subtitles. Um, you know, hate the ocean. That's enough. So I'm not going to even do that segment today. Um, plus I'm feeling a little hoarse. So we're just going to move on to, uh, just learning some origins of, uh, interesting things. The origins of interesting things. I should say a little bit of a, where that come from. All right. So Another segment of where that come from today, we're going to be talking about something that is not necessarily a worry anymore, but a long time ago used to be (laughs) something you really had to be worried about. So up until probably like the early 1900s, but specifically in like 17 or 18th and 19th century, there was a legitimate fear that you could be mistakenly pronounced dead and be buried alive that you you might be a heavy sleeper and wake up in a coffin six feet underground and sidebar interesting fact the reason that we bury people six feet underground is that during the black plague people thought that six feet of earth was the amount of earth that would prevent the disease the bubonic plague from seeping back up and infecting people so Six feet was the number they landed on. Now we still bury people six feet deep. Um, But anyways, people would legitimately get buried alive. Uh, Doctors were not good until, actually probably until the last like 30 years. (laughs) Doctors were horrible. Um, I mean, one, performing like full serious surgeries in your own kitchen. That's a bit sketchy. Um, so yeah, you know, people would slip into comas, people would, you know, I mean, shit, just go unconscious for a little bit. People might, again, just be a bit of a heavy sleeper. So it was a, actually, I mean, now it is not a rational fear to think that you would be buried alive. I mean, one, all your shit's removed before you even are put in a casket or you're cremated, whatever people, uh, you know, maybe in like other places do, but for the most part. People in the uh, modern world do not get buried alive. But, again, it was a massive fear. And it, you could read like a lot of book, like a lot of Edgar Allan Poe shit involves people being buried alive. Now, granted, it's people burying someone alive on purpose. But it was just a theme that came up in a lot of books, um, poems, you know, early literature. Uh, even like George Washington was apparently deathly afraid of being buried alive and wanted to be buried with a finger or with a so George Washington deathly afraid of wanting to be buried alive deathly afraid of being buried alive Jesus Christ wanted to be buried with a string tied around his finger string goes up to a bell so that he could tick 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 and ring the bell if he happened to wake up in a casket you know 6 feet underground it was not necessarily like his invention. This was a, actually a somewhat common practice was 
the recently deceased would have a ring around their finger, ring attached to string, string goes up above the ground to a bell, and you wing, uh, wiggle your finger, ring the bell, they know, uh-oh, we made a mistake, <laughs> they come dig your ass up, all is forgiven, you know, go about your business. So, when people would ring that bell, who people thought were dead, they were considered a dead ringer. Which meaning, like, it's a sure thing that this this bitch ain't dead. So, that's where the term dead ringer comes from. Also, people who buried underground in a casket ringing the bell were now rescued, so they were saved by the bell. The people, so there's always, at the time, people would like work in cemeteries. The people who worked overnight at the uh, cemeteries listening for the sounds of the bell were people who were working overnight, so they were working the graveyard shift. So that is still the term we use today uh, when discussing people who are working overnights. You're working the graveyard shift because hundreds of years ago, There literally were people working a shift overnight in a graveyard listening for a bell to ring. And if a bell rang, grab a shovel because you got shit to do for the next couple hours. Terrifying. We live in such such a better time. Now, I know we have their problems. Um... But, boy, what is it so much better than living in the 1700s so anyways so now you can share that information with people whether they want to hear it or not um that's where that come from now let's move on to a couple stories from history with a little half-ass history time to kick into a little half-ass history have some pretty good ones here i think you'll like these are three that i i am utterly intrigued by so hopefully you will be too so first one just going to go over some of the crazy shit involving what i think is one of the greatest bands of all time fleetwood mac so (laughs) you basically cannot talk about the band fleetwood mac mac scratch that go forward you cannot talk about the band fleetwood mac without talking about their massive cocaine use (laughs) so i mean For one, Stevie Nicks basically burned a third nostril into her nose by doing so much coke. Um, Mick Fleetwood had literally had somebody who would put a stand next to his drum set so that he could snort lines while playing the drums while they were, you know, performing live. It's something like crazy. Like he said, he snorted like a thousand miles of cocaine, some number that is insane. Um, Yeah, a lot. Of cocaine, probably more cocaine use per member than any band in history. Um, so much so that when they were uh, gonna, re- when they were about to record what is arguably one of the greatest albums of all time, "Rumors," they had planned to thank their drug dealer in the liner notes, but he died. <laughs> he was uh, killed like right before the album came out, so they were like, "Well, no point in thinking thinking his ass. He's dead." Um, but yeah, they were going to thank their cocaine dealer. Um, cause without that sweet powder, there is no Fleetwood Mac. There is no rumors album. Um, 
But that's not ever, that's not like all the craziness. So the Rumors album again, arguably one of the greatest albums of all time. Also one of the most insane recording sessions ever. So this album cost 5 million dollars in today's money. That is astronomical. I mean even for those standards where it cost, you know, a shit ton of money to record albums, 5 million dollars is insane. And it has been alleged that a pretty sizable chunk of that budget was going to cocaine. <laughs> of course it was. I mean, aside from that, all the band members were basically banging each other. I mean, it was a massive, like, you know, switcheroo uh, wife swap action going on within the members of Fleetwood Mac. Um, craziest being Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks. Stevie Nicks, arguably one of the most attractive women to ever live. But Stevie Nicks was kind of fucking crazy. <laughs> like, legitimately a wild person back in the day. Lindsey Buckingham, uh, not not very innocent either. Lindsey Buckingham even once tried to strangle Stevie Nicks to death. Um, and, you know, obviously didn't do it. But shit would get heated. One of the crazier aspects of Fleetwood Mac is that before the Rumors album was recorded, their guitarist was a guy named Jeremy Spencer. Very good guitarist. Um, obviously wouldn't get the fame that the rest of the band did uh, because he wasn't around for the Rumors album. But they still had recorded you know, albums before then. Um, and again, a great guitarist. Jeremy Spencer was kind of an odd person. And... He, having kind of this, mm, not a breakdown, but had sort of a a come-to-Jesus moment, <laughs> which might not be the, uh, the best phrase to use. He kind of ran into this group of people that he found to be very interesting and started diving into their world headfirst. These people were the cult known as the Children of God cult. <laughs> and the Children of God cult are one of the most insane groups of people in American history. Um, I mean, legitimate, creepy, creepy shit going on in the Children of God cult. Who Jeremy Spencer left what is arguably, again, one of the biggest bands of all time, said fuck all of y'all, I'm going to join this cult where they are doing horrible shit to people, including a young River Phoenix. So a young River Phoenix and a young Rose McGowan were also in this cult and were forced to do, at least River Phoenix was, forced to do pretty bad stuff. Just say that. Um, so yeah, so Fleetwood Mac, before they got you know the mega, mega fame of rumors, while they're just blasting through lines of uh, blow like every five minutes, their guitarist is knee-deep in a terrifying cult. Yeah. So Fleetwood Mac, 
crazy as shit. Next, go back in time a little bit to, speaking of creepy shit, um, the, so Peter Pan is to me one of the most unsettling Disney films of all time. Uh, Pinocchio is a close second, but Peter Pan always kind of freaked me out a little bit. Can't really 100% put my finger on why it freaked me out so much. It just did. The more you learn about the history of Peter Pan, and specifically the guy who wrote the book, Peter Pan, J.M. Barry, the more you realize why there is such a creepy undertone to the story of Peter Pan. And it's all because of the author J.M. Barry being a psychopath. So J.M. Barry wrote uh, Peter Pan. He was obsessed with becoming a famous writer. Like that was like this just odd obsession that he had of just trying to get as close and as close to famous writers as he could. He basically stalked these people, one of which was a guy named uh, Georges de Mouillet. I think I'm saying this right. George DeMarie. Whatever. He stalked this writer named George DeMarie, who uh, wrote the book Trilby. That's where we get like the character Svengali, which people hear the word Svengali. That's where that comes from is George DeMarie. Um, again, began stalking him. Well, old George died, so can't stalk him anymore. So he decides, well, I'll do the next best thing. I'll stalk his daughter. <laughs> his daughter was a woman who was married, uh, was a woman named Sylvia Llewellyn Davies. Sylvia Llewellyn Davies, married to this guy who ends up dying of cancer, I believe. Um, J.M. Barry is just forcing his way into her life. She has five boys, children, with her husband, who is now deceased. So she, again, a widow with five boys she's raising on her own. J.M. Barry just keeps stalking them and, like, accidentally meeting them in places. Because um, he wants to, like, basically own this family and, like, have control over them and be, like, the father of this family. Um, so he goes to a park where he sees the boys and the mom, and he goes off with the boys and, like, basically makes them like him. So that they'll beg the mom to, you know, have him come in with them and, like, be friends with them. So, and it it works. He becomes utterly obsessed with the children of Sylvia Llewellyn Davies. Uh, as well as obsessed with her, too, but specifically with her children. Now, what he did with the children of Sylvia Llewellyn Davies... There are like conflicting reports as to whether or not it was something just weird or something very, very dark. He did take nude photos of them. So strike one. <laughs> Even D.H. Lawrence, a.k.a. Lawrence of Arabia, said that he believed J.M. Barry was a psychopath and a terrifying person. D.H. Lawrence was kind of a terrifying person. So, that says something. Um, now, this is not the end of J.M. Barry's creepiness. So, Sylvia Llewellyn Davies, 
after like not very long of knowing J.M. Barry, dies. In her will, she had left the boys with her sister. Her sister's named Jenny. J.M. Barry did not like that. He believed he should have guardianship of her five boys. So he went into the will, scratched out Jenny, and replaced it with Jimmy, J.M. Barry. So he became the legal guardian of her five boys. He kidnapped her children after she died. And they lived with them, you know, until their until adulthood. No telling what went down with J.M. Barry and these kids. But apparently it wasn't good because shit didn't work out for hardly any of them. One of them was... Like, I got to get out of here. Joined World War One, Died. Another one drowned himself. Um, now, the crazy... Uh, kind of a crazier thing. The youngest of her five boys was a boy named Peter. Now, obviously you can draw the connection to him and Peter Pan. He wrote Peter Pan after meeting these boys, who he kind of based the Lost Boys and Peter off of, like Peter Pan off of Peter. Peter ended up not doing very well and basically went down uh, to a railroad track, laid himself down in front of the railroad track, and, you know, well, let uh, nature take its course. So that's what happened to the real Peter Pan. <laughs> the kid that was kidnapped by the author of Peter Pan from their dead mother. Yeah. Terrifying. So when you watch Peter Pan and you see all the creepy shit in it and wonder, God, why is this so creepy? That's why. Fucking J.M. Barry. All right. So next one. This is one that is going to be not as creepy. <laughs> Try to, I'm trying to start leaving these kind of on like a better, like funner note than telling the most depressing one last. Um, this one is just, I mean, without a doubt, one of the most legendary athletes of all time. Uh, without a doubt, should be in everyone's top five greatest NBA players of all time. Wilt Chamberlain. Will Chamberlain, like seven foot, not like muscular like Shaquille O'Neal, kind of thinner, but ungodly strong, ungodly talented. An incredible basketball player. Scored 100 points in a game. Granted, he's playing against a bunch of five foot six white dudes, but still, 100 points in a game is pretty impressive. Will Chamberlain, when he was in college, Obviously dedicated 100% of his time to foot, uh, to basketball. Like, when Will Chamberlain is in college, that's what he cares about, obviously, basketball. But still did track and field. His high jump in college would have been fifth place in the Olympics that year. His If you took his PR, like his personal records, for all of the events that are in the decathlon, he would have broken the world record. In which... Most people say 
makes you the greatest athlete in the world. Whoever is gold medal decathlon, that's the best overall athlete in the world. There's a lot of people that say that. I don't know that I necessarily believe it, but people do. So that means he was the greatest athlete in the world for a sport that he didn't really care about. His focus was basketball. So the sport he kind of like was off on the side doing, he technically would have been the best in the world at. Um, Again, arguably one of the greatest basketball players of all time. Like his stories are fucking legendary Um, on and off the court. So like on the court was just so much bigger and so much stronger than anyone else. Now, obviously there's still greats like Bill Russell, um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Like there's still like these kind of bigger, just amazing basketball players, but nobody had anything on Wilt Chamberlain. Um, but off the court, <laughs> just as legendary. So Wilt Chamberlain used to do strongman competitions, like uh, like see who's the strongest man game against Andre the Giant and Arnold Schwarzenegger. And guess who usually won? <laughs> Not the two you think, but Wilt Chamberlain. Wilt Chamberlain would like outlift. You know, like, just do crazy feats of strength alongside Arnold Schwarzenegger and Andre the Giant. In Wilt, in the, uh, in Wilt Chamberlain's 40s, so when Wilt Chamberlain's basically done, he would still, like, do pickup games. He did a few pickup games against a young, in his prime, Magic Johnson. And guess who won those pickup games? <laughs> the washed-up. Wilt Chamberlain, like washed up Wilt Chamberlain, which is crazy to even say the phrase washed up when talking about Wilt Chamberlain, but the older version of Wilt Chamberlain was still probably the best person in the NBA. Um, He also at one point was at a party, saw Jim Brown, Jim Brown, again, a legend, one of the greatest running backs of all time, had the rushing yards record until OJ Simpson broke it. Uh, in like 74, maybe. Might have the year on, but I think he's around 74. Jim Brown is fucking one of the coolest people to ever live. Um, Will Chamberlain challenged him to a foot race at a party. And apparently Jim Brown was like, all right. Knowing like there's not a chance in hell I'm losing a foot race to Wilt Chamberlain. Like Jim Brown was one of the fastest people on the planet at the time. So Will Chamberlain and Jim Brown go outside. Will Chamberlain takes his shoes and socks off to run barefoot. Um, they do the foot race. Jim Brown isn't even like really trying because he's like, this is bullshit. Um, and so Will Chamberlain wins. Will Chamberlain apparently is not happy about this. Says, no, 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 line back up. I want you going full speed. They do it again. He still beats him. Will Chamberlain beat Jim Brown twice in a foot race, which is nuts. Now, saying all this to say, Wilt Chamberlain almost Wilt Chamberlain almost left the NBA before things really even started to join the NFL. So at one point, the Kansas City Chiefs head coach, uh, Hank Stram, heard about Wilt Chamberlain and was like, he should be a tight end in the NFL. <laughs> As you would say when you saw a seven foot one 290 pound fella who was fast as shit say how do i get him on a football field fuck basketball um 
So he invited Wilt Chamberlain to try out for the Kansas City Chiefs. When he tried out, they had him run his 40-yard dash time. He, not knowing that he was going to even have to do this, took his shoes off, barefoot, still in dress pants, like still in slacks, ran a 4-6-40. This is a guy who is seven foot one and damn near 300 pounds, ran a 4-6-40. And this is in 1964 when, I mean, that was... That was a hell of a time for anyone, let alone a dude that is outweighing running backs and receivers by, you know, 70, 80 pounds. Or, no, outweighing them by, like, 100 pounds. Um, Instead, he goes to the NBA, has one of the greatest careers in the history of basketball. And can't talk about Will Chamberlain without talking, talking about the fact that, allegedly, he banged 20,000 women. <laughs> now, whether that is true or not, who knows? But it is it has been a folklore of Wilt Chamberlain's for a long time that in his lifetime he had sex with 20,000 different women. And you know what? From the stories you read about Wilt Chamberlain, it's probably true. One of those women was the mother of a young Quentin Tarantino. So there you go. Crazy stories about Will Chamberlain, Fleetwood Mac, and apparently the guy who wrote Peter Pan was a psychopath. Um, so, yeah. Um, be sure to check out the merch uh, store. I have it posted on all socials. Um, buy a shirt, for God's sake. Send in questions to the email. It's the Cody Tucker Show at gmail.com. If you have any questions that you'd like to ask me, uh, any topics you want me to talk about, Anything from history you want me to talk about? Whatever it may be. Uh, it's always good to get some suggestions. So send them my way if you think of any. Other than that, I think that'll do it. So uh, till next time, goodbye.